Okay, here we are. We're into day three of our lockdown. It's quite strange how well, we find ourselves stuck inside our houses and I go out for a walk realising that once I've gone for my walk in the park, I come back, come back in again. Um, we've got a daily regime of exercise at the moment, all four of us are standing in front of YouTube videos. We started off with 15 minutes a day and we managed to push it up to 20 today. I'm hoping that we'll eventually get to 30 minutes a day of, of, of good workout. But that's not just the only adaptation we're having to make. The thing I'm probably struggling most with is uh, Zoom videos. Because you sit in front of Zoom and you're staring at your own face. And I'm not used to looking at myself on video. And I have my own perception of what I look like. And suddenly it's changed. Because suddenly I'm having to see myself the way other people see me. A little while ago I was in a prayer meeting with sitting next to Neil Jakes and the people in the prayer meeting said take some time just to talk to the person next to you and say thank you to them or just express something of how you appreciate um, what God is doing in them or has done in them. And as some of you know I, I lead our, our, our Dulos team which is our, our kind of accelerated leadership development program. And we have teaching sessions once a week, and I had the teachers actually, um, each time the teacher is there, Neil or I will sit in to support them with the, with the sessions. And the way we work is I do four weeks on, and Neil does four weeks on. And what happened last year is that, last term, was I was with Neil and... I was, I was talking to Christina and I realised that Neil was under quite a bit of pressure. And I was thinking about myself and thinking I was really quite excited because I thought it's got to the end of my four sessions and now I'm going to have Wednesday evenings free for the next four weeks. Um, but when I heard Sue talking to me about um, Christina, I just felt a nudge that maybe I should cover that. Neil didn't have to do that. So I said to Neil, don't bother, I'll do your four sessions. Didn't think anything of it after that. Um, during the prayer meeting, Neil turns to me and says, I really appreciate what you did for me in covering me for my four sessions. And then he burst into tears. And we ended up standing, hugging one another. And it just made me think of how all I'd done, which was a quite a small, really relatively insignificant thing for me, um, offering to cover his, his Wednesday night sessions, but it had a huge impact on him. In fact, actually, at that point in time, it took him into the presence of God. And in fact, we both came into the presence of God. So that, that small sacrifice that I made took Neil into the presence of God. And it's quite interesting. I, what I want to talk to you about is, is Abraham. He was actually called Abraham at the time. And how his encounter with God um, involved sacrifice initially. But out of that sacrifice... He, he had an encounter with God which didn't just affect him but obviously affected the whole of the Israelite nation or all the family that he was going to um, have afterwards. The verse is in Genesis 15 and it's verses 9 to 18. So if you've got a Bible you just might want to find that. It's Genesis 15 verses 9 to 18. The Lord told him, Bring me a three-year-old heifer, a three-year-old female goat, a three-year-old ram, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. 
So Abraham presented all these to him and killed them. Then he cut each animal down the middle and laid the halves side by side. He did not, however, ever cut the birds in half. Some vultures swooped down to eat the carcasses, but Abraham chased them, or Abraham chased them away. As the sun was going down, Abraham fell into a deep sleep, and a terrifying darkness came down over him. Then the Lord said to Abraham, You can be sure that your descendants will be strangers in a foreign land where they will be oppressed as slaves for 400 years. But I will punish the nation that enslaves them, and in the end they will come away with great wealth. As for you, you will die in peace and be buried at a ripe old age. After four generations, your descendants will return here to this land, for the sins of the Amorites do not let yet warrant their destruction. After the sun went down and darkness fell, Abraham saw a smoking firepot and a flaming torch passed between the hearts of the carcasses. So the Lord made a covenant with Abraham that day. This kind of encounter breaks down into, into four sections, four, four parts. There's initially the sacrifice that he made and it's worth noting that that it was a very defined sacrifice it was very specific because God gave him specific instructions so it was a very obedient sacrifice he was doing it in response to the to what God had told him to do it wasn't a a voluntary or I think I'll do this for God it was a very clear instruction from God of how he should be making this sacrifice and then during that time, there was a period where nothing seemed to happen. So there was a time when he had just to wait on God. And sometimes we have that point where there's a, there's a need to wait. Um, but while that waiting time, there was the enemy sought to steal from him the sacrifice. He talks about the vultures that were coming down. So at the very point of sacrifice, the very point of intimacy, the very point of where he was accessing God, these vultures were seeking to take away and steal the very thing that he was offering. And then it talks about the darkness and the fear, and there was a fear that came over him during this encounter with God. But then finally, it ends with a covenant, and there's a promise, and it's a promise which extends not just to Abraham, but actually extends to future generations, which came from his encounter with God. Now, with Abraham, there was nothing unique or special about the sacrifice that he was making. Um, in Leviticus 1 and Leviticus 3, sacrificing bulls and goats and rams and birds were kind of part of the regular lifestyle of the um, Israelites. And it's just an everyday thing that they did in response to God. And it got me thinking, well, if that was his everyday response to sacrifice, it's not what God's calling us to do. What is the sacrifice that God has called us as a community to make and to live in, which was equivalent or consistent with this sacrifice that, that um, Abraham was making. And the thing that God has called us to do, and to live in sacrificially, is covenant relationship. We're called to live in integrity. We're called to live with a readiness to serve one another. We are called to be ready to be committed to one another. And we're called to love and accept and forgive one another. And sometimes this, this catches us out at the most unexpected moments. And I think it's, it's almost a hard position that God takes us into, but it will always involve sacrifice. Interestingly, there was, there was obviously things happening for me at that week of prayer, because two days later I was in the week of prayer. And um, somebody, uh, we had, there's a young person that comes to this 
to this event we could press sometimes comes to the prayer meetings and I always take them home and we had a pretty busy week that week and I was I was quite tired that particular evening and saw the person arrive and I was really excited they were there because they don't always come but then I thought ah I'm going to have to take them home and then somebody else came up to me and said oh I've just seen that person arrive I'll take them home for you tonight and I was just so blessed and so relieved that I didn't have to actually go and take this person home this particular evening and I could just go home and sit down and, and rest when I got home after the prayer meeting. However, as I was walking out the meeting, um, Millie Easter um, accosted me and she said, uh, could you come and pray for Gary? He's in pain. And my immediate thought was, oh, I'm tired. I was on my way home. Uh, I could get someone else to do this. There's several other leaders here. And I just, just checked and I thought, no, this is mine to do. So I went and found another leader and together we drove to the Easter's and he was in a lot of pain at that particular point and we, we prayed for him. Um, he ended up going into hospital. Um, during in hospital, Gary will testify now to how he had a real encounter with the Holy Spirit. And um, sometime afterwards I said to him, uh, asked him how he was when he was back home again and he grabbed me and hugged me again and said, I'm just so thank you so much for praying for coming to pray for me. Now, again, it was a, a price that had to be paid, but what happened was that a consequence of, of making that choice, which was motivated by really consistent with, with the love that God has for me and therefore the love that God's put in our heart for others, um, he encountered God. So it wasn't me that encountered God. I made the sacrifice. It cost me a price. But as I made that choice, then the consequence was that he actually met with God. And I think that the thing we need to begin to understand is that the, pres the way we bring people into the presence of God is not through, it's not for me. It's not something that God is there for me and he does want to bless me. But the presence of God is not there for me. It's actually there so I can bring others into it and as I see others blessed, then I will receive the blessing. That has to be our heart and that has to be our motivation. So, what are the vultures? What are the things which steal away the opportunities, those, those opportunities for sacrifice that, that we might make? Um, in Luke 21, um, verses 34 to 36, this is what um, Jesus was saying. So it's Luke 21, verses 34 to 36. I'm actually reading from the New American Standard Version. Be on your guard so that your hearts will not be weighed down with dissipation and drunkenness and the worries of life. And that day will not come on you suddenly like a trap, for it will come upon all those who dwell on the face of the earth. But keep on the alert, at all times praying, that you may have strength to escape all these things that are about to take place, and to stand before the Son of Man. While he was waiting on God, Abraham had to be alert. He had to be alert to these vultures that were coming to, to steal from him. And, and what, are, what are the things that Jesus says would, would, would seek to steal away the sacrifice that we make that would bring others into the presence of God? The first one he mentions is dissipation. Um, if you look that up, you get the meaning of it actually is overindulgence in sensual living. 
uh, and it comes from a word, a Greek word, which actually means you're derived from the, from the word that means claim for your ones for oneself eagerly. A few years ago, I decided we need a new TV. There was nothing particularly wrong with the old one, but it was just getting a bit old, and wanted a new one. And me being me, didn't want to waste my money, didn't want to spend too much money. And there's such a variety in the types of TV that I had to um, do an awful lot of research as to which was the best TV to buy, which had the best sound, the different types of picture, um, screen size, all, 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 the, all the types of pictures. I didn't bore you with the details. And I spent a couple of weeks on this browsing the internet every time I sat down I was on the internet researching TVs until I became an expert on what was the best type of TV. Um, fortunately my memory is such that I kind of retain these things for short term but then long term I'm able to discard them. Um, so I couldn't, don't ask me now. But uh, at that point I was a complete expert. And having spent many hours obsessing about this television and what I should buy and every waking moment really was consumed with this and it just pushed away everything else I could have been thinking about um, all the opportunities I might have had to, to serve to consider other people before God um, pushed away because all I wanted was I was focused on this TV so I said to Sue okay I think this is the TV we should buy and Sue looked at me and she says we don't need a new TV and that was it no more TV. So I'd spent all that time, and, and that to me is kind of a form of dissipation. I just wasted all that, all that time distracted from the purpose that God had for us. The other thing he talks about is drunkenness. And I think drunkenness just fits into that hedonistic thing of just my own pleasure. I need some me time now. I, I, I could do this, but I won't do this. I need to go and hide and do my own thing. Um, it's when somebody phones up when you're in the middle of a, of a TV programme, and instead of coming away from the TV programme, you might choose to uh, say, I'll phone them back later. And it could be urgent. And I, I can think of one situation where that happened with me and somebody phoned me and, and I thought, I'll put this off and I'll phone, can I come and pray for someone? And I thought, this, this doesn't need to happen now. And I left it. And terrific nudge from God to pick up the phone and just phone somebody and just find out what the details were. And when I found out, I was so relieved that I actually went. So sometimes that thing of just wanting that space for yourself, to me that fits into not literally getting drunk with wine and beer, but into that aspect of, of drunkenness. And then there's the worries of life, dwelling on the negative, um, which is the opposite of being thankful. And that's a real temptation now. I mean, there's a lot of fear that's out there, a lot of fear in the, in the circumstances we're facing. And those things can actually, if we retreat into our own fears, it will restrict us from being able to serve and being available to, to look out for one another, love one another, express care for one another, and to explore the opportunities that God is giving us, even in this difficult time, just to, to be aware and, and to reach out to one another, even in our, in our isolation, particularly for the opportunities that we have through technology. The other thing that we need to think about is that sometimes coming into the presence of God, and that can be for ourselves, is, is, is not always a pleasant immediate experience. For Abraham, when God came, there was fear that came on him. And 
There are examples, many examples in the Bible where people encountered God and they were not initially positive experiences in terms of their, their feelings and how it felt. In Luke 22, there's Jesus himself. Um, this is Luke 22, verses 41 to 44. It's Luke 22, verses 41 to 44. It says, He walked away, Jesus walked away about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. So an angel is ministering to Jesus and he's in agony of spirit. So sometimes these encounters with God are not encounters which make us feel good, but actually they're, they're, they're in his presence and they do give us strength and they take us on to the next thing. Um, Acts 9 Verses 7 to 9. This is Saul's encounter. So this is Acts chapter 9. Verses 7 to 9. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. He remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. So here's an encounter with Jesus that left a man blind and not able to eat for three days or drink for three days. And it must have been a complete fear came over him. Now we know that Paul later on had a, a, a real understanding of how much God loved, for it, loved him and it motivated him and drove him to, to, to just share the gospel with everybody because he was so excited about it. But that initial encounter with God was a fearful encounter. And sometimes it, it's an awesome thing. To come into the presence of God. Then Luke 1 verse 19. Then the angel said to Zechariah. So I'll say that again. Luke 1 verse 19. Then the angel said. And this is to Zechariah. Who is John the Baptist's um, father. I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was he who sent me to bring you this good news. But now. Since you didn't believe what I said. You will be silent. And unable to speak until the child is born. For my words will certainly be fulfilled at the proper time. So Zechariah goes into the presence of God. An angel ministers to him and he comes out. And he's not able to speak for nine months. And again, this isn't in a sense presented as a, a dreadful thing. But it's a sense of recognising that, that, that the presence of God is not about nice feelings. It's actually about encountering him. It's about allowing him to do in our lives what we want him to do and it can involve laying down our lives and sometimes there's a price to pay as we press on in, in him. However, as we press on and as we remain in his presence, he, gives, he brought, brings a covenant and Abraham received the covenant and there's lots of places in the Bible where we can find the covenant that God has made with us and in 1 Peter 1 verses 3 to 6, says, all praise to God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, 
God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. And he actually goes on to say, So be truly glad there is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. So in this covenant we find God as a father. We find we are born again. We find we are, have a share in the resurrected life of Jesus. We have been given a priceless inheritance beyond the reach of decay. And our salvation is protected by God's power. So there's a security in that. But as we look today for God's presence and the, and the revelation of his heart towards us, then we need to understand that we need to guard what he's bringing. And we need to guard what he puts into our lives and, and what he draws us to. And I have some questions for you, which you can work on. And we'll actually get these put up so people can access them. I just need to find them, so you just need to bear with me, because I've lost a piece of paper that has the questions on. And okay, here we go. So, some questions. Um, what sacrifice can I make for others? What are the vultures in my life? What am I obsessed with? And what lies am I believing? I'll read them again. What sacrifice can I make for others? What are the vultures in my life? What am I obsessed with? And what lies am I believing? <laughs>